Tonight I have with me uh, the illustrious Carrie Sloan, the president of We the Female, and uh, primetime speaker for the January 20th event in Nashville for the uh, Tennessee Taken Action Group. Um, Carrie, glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, we had to reach out to you because um, what you're doing is pretty awesome. Uh, did you want to before I say anything else about it, I guess, uh, did you want to tell people, um, I guess, a little bit about yourself and then uh, what We The Female is? Well, I'm sure I have no problem doing that. So my name is Carrie Sloan and I am, um, some of you may know me as Stilettos and Shotguns as well. That That is uh, what I'm known uh, as, in addition to running my organization across social media. Um, I run an organization called We The Female. And in short, our mission is to arm the women with education, confidence, and self-defense. We specialize in working with domestic violence victims and women that have had negative experiences with guns, or even if they're pro 2A, sometimes they're still a little intimidated to work with firearms. And we specialize in, in helping understand the psychology behind where these fears may be coming from, helping them overcome those fears uh, to allow them to embrace self-defense. We call it a holistic approach to self-defense. So, yeah, so We the Female, um, that's, I mean, it's an awesome organization. I've always said the only way to protect women is to arm them. Um, an armed society is a polite society. Um, and it is a, it's, it's a great thing to see because um, a lot of these women, like you said, you know, have been victims of uh, heinous crimes in the past. And the only way to really guarantee it won't, or really, put up a fight that it won't happen again is to be armed for a lot of these women, correct? Yeah, it is. And um, unfortunately, because so many of them have had such bad experiences along with the cultural stigma of firearms and, and domestic violence victims, we have to work in a very delicate space. And so we like to say that sometimes we have to help women understand their lives are worth defending before we can teach them how to defend it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's actually very true. Um, it's uh it is interesting to see, though, like we we talk about not we specifically, you and I, but the national discourses, you know, we need to get rid of firearms because, you know, we need to protect children and this and women and that. And if, if you really look at it and you break it down to what the truth is, is every legis piece of legislation that they pass, barring the, the possession or purchase of firearms, as making it harder for women to defend themselves. There was a, a case up in New York where a woman uh, was on a waiting period trying to get a firearm just to defend herself. And I believe she ended up getting killed during that time period. And it, it's it's a, a prime example of why this stuff is horrendous. Yeah, I, there's been several cases similar to this, and I'm not familiar with the New York case. Um, Carol Bound, excuse me, is the most famous case and what's frustrating about that case, that was in New Jersey. And what was frustrating about that case in particular was Jersey is being incredibly restricted. You have to apply to get permission to be approved to purchase a gun to begin with before you can even go through the lengthy and expensive process of purchasing, going through the per, uh, classes for permitting and so on. So she was in the process of doing that um the her abuser uh let me back up so she she was in the process of doing that and the application expired so she had to reapply to get permission to move forward with the concealed carry and, and purchasing process 
And while she uh, was on the second waiting period after her, her second application was submitted, she'd had cameras installed around her house and um, he, the, her murder and dismemberment by her ex uh, was caught on, on camera while she was waiting for a firearm to defend herself. I have been doing this for over five years now, and I have yet to find any gun control law that's been put in place that effectively uh, saves women, but especially domestic violence survivors, yet every single one of them negatively impacts them or puts them in a position where they can't defend themselves. Yeah, it's always it, it is always the most vulnerable that that take the hardest hit with a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, children have been taking a, a huge brunt of it over the last you know what twenty years now. Yeah. Um, all the the horse shit about you know not having guns on school property and all that. Um, I, I will say, I mean, it, there is some hope that we are seeing some states moving in a better direction. Like Tennessee, a couple of years ago, made it legal to pick your kid up in a drive-through line from school, and it and you can have a firearm on you. It's one hundred percent legal. Um, which, which is a good thing. I mean, you want to defend your kid. You don't want to have to leave your gun at home because you're picking them up. So it's, it is cool to see stuff like that, but, um, yeah, it doesn't look good. I mean, like, like that's two separate stories, right? There was the, the lady in New York and the lady you're speaking of in New Jersey. Um, and who knows how many times over in a year that this happens because no one wants to report on it because then it makes gun laws look bad. Yeah, exactly. We'll never really know truly. Uh, how many women have been negatively impacted by this. And here's an interesting note for you and, and your listeners. The common argument, I know you've heard it, if you own a gun or have any connection to gun rights advocacy in any way, you've heard the statement. And some people say that it's John Hopkins put it out. It's actually not John Hopkins that put it out, but uh, it's it came from from a different uh, a different organization. But the the talking point is that a woman is five times more likely to die if there is a gun uh, and she's abused and there's a gun in the home. Interestingly enough, two points. First and foremost, they do not say that she's dying by firearm. And I can break that down for you if you'd like. But second, conveniently, the very next paragraph that they do not mention says a woman is more likely to survive if she's left her abuser is living away from him and owns a firearm. And that is interestingly enough when she is most likely to be a victim of, of deadly, of a, of a deadly encounter. I know for me personally, as a domestic violence survivor, when my ex husband, my abuser was let out of jail, the police came to me at the arraignment hearing and asked me if I had a place to hide for three, four or five days. I don't, remember how many days they said it was. And that confused me, of course. And I said, well, I do. Why? And they said, because the chances of violence escalating after he was let out of jail was significant. So even they knew that the restraining order that was automatically put in place against him wasn't going to do anything to protect me that I was on my own. But instead of telling me to figure out how to defend myself, they chose to tell me to hide. And I was already living apart from my abuser at the time. So is that kind of what got you into guns and creating We the Female, your experience yeah. with that? Yes and no. Um, I went through all of the therapy that I was supposed to go to go through uh, for PTSD. I'm di- I was diagnosed with PTSD. And um, and, and I, did, I did see some improvement. I went through the same type of treatment that veterans go through um, for, for PTSD. And uh, I, a lot of the, the 
extreme nightmares um, ended. In fact, it's interesting that a lot of people um, talk about sleep paralysis with PTSD, but what they don't talk about is how you can still have some of those effects after you're fully awake and conscious. Like I would wake up fully conscious and awake and my legs would be paralyzed, or I woke up and um, fully conscious and tried to scream and couldn't scream. So I had to walk down the hall banging on the wall to, to wake up my friend that was staying with me. So um, people don't talk about that. So while the, the therapy was great and it did help, what stopped the nightmares was buying a shotgun and putting it on a rail beside my bed so I could reach down and reach it, hence where stilettos and shotguns came from. So five years, I was working in the day spa industry and in the fashion industry at the time. So that's where those two, two worlds merged. Um, fast forward several years, um, there was a law in Washington state. I lived there at the time and, um, God bless the South. I'm down here in the South now and I love it. I'm in Georgia. Um, wouldn't have it any other way. I'm home. I was born here, but, uh, there was a law. It made national news. If you've been in this game or familiar at all, you heard about it. It was 1639. It was released right after the Parkland shooting in Washington state and was praised as the, at that time, five years ago, the strictest gun control uh, legislation presented in the country, passed by an overwhelming number, had several things in it, uh, uh, required online training for rifle purchases, mandatory 10-day cooling off periods for, for rifle purchase, blah, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff, and, and of course, set up for red flag laws and um, AWBs, assault weapons bans. So, but one of the things that was in this bill that people didn't know was in it because they snuck it in and didn't, didn't talk about it was the fact that when you sign a 4473 in Washington state, it's an automatic waiver of your medical record and they can look at your medical record and deny you the purchase of a firearm based on what they see. Now, Chris, you and I both know they are not looking for a broken arm, right? They're looking for... PTSD or some sort of mental issue. But interestingly enough, as the as as people will begin to realize, if you haven't already, legislation isn't how it's written. It's often how it's not written that bites us in the butt. And this particular law was exactly that. Nowhere did it say what criteria that they would approve would allow approval or denial of a purchase. They didn't say how far back into your medical record that they look. The way it was not written arbitrarily allowed the state health authority, whoever they were, because they didn't define that, um, to look at your your uh, your medical record every year if they chose to. And uh, so I spoke out about that. Uh, I was stalked for a while after my abuser, uh, after our divorce and after jail and stuff, because in his mind, it was my fault. He was going through all of that because that's the way these assholes are. So um I, I spoke out about it and I said, you know, to those of you that voted for this, especially my friends, you just put me in a position where I may not be able to purchase a firearm to defend myself against my abuser when he's when he was stalking and he was stalking me at the time. And of course, they were mortified. You know, they were, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I didn't know. And I say, yeah, because you didn't read the bill. Oh, we read it. We read it. We read it. No, you didn't. You didn't because it was the, it was actually the thing that was the easiest to read in the entire bill. They read the summary and listened to the marketing. So this was, unfortunately, it was an eye-opener for them, but at the same time, wasn't enough for them to change their minds. But it was interesting to notice how, and, and not only with that, but I've also confronted Kamala Harris, and that went as well as you expected, but some of her minions. Um, uh, she's, she is absolutely, she is a... What's a twat? 
I'll just let you decipher what that was because I don't want you to get in trouble if this is on YouTube. But starts with a T, ends with a T. I like the C word, so I don't use the C word. I think it's a it's that historically <laughs> has a positive connotation for women, the C word, but just sounds like a disease. So <laughs> much like Kamala Harris is a giant disease on this country. She's like a herpes you can't get rid of. Ugh. So, <laughs> so, but it was her minions that um, talk, they were blah, blah, blah on their talking points. And I, I made a comment about being a domestic violence survivor and, and they immediately had to go into their talking points oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe that happened to you. That's horrible. You know, they had to show me that their sensitivity to me being a victim was, was, was a big deal to them. And because of that, it enabled me to get in with the simple statement that those red flag laws that y'all support would inhibit me from being able to purchase, could potentially inhibit me from being able to purchase a firearm to protect myself against the guy that, that abused me and is stalking me. And they were silent, nonplussed literally slack jawed. And as I walked away from that encounter, I processed this whole, so you got me on my rant, Chris, which is probably where you wanted me. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but one of the things that hit me was we, right. <laughs> we as conservatives um, and gun owners, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm, I'm definitely conservative. I'm not a Republican. I'm not even really libertarian, but, um, or Democrat at all. I'm homeless and okay with that. But uh we we have this this mindset on on the pro gun side that we should be it's facts over logic facts over logic well that doesn't work in an emotionally driven society and especially doesn't work with women because women are emotional thinkers and that's not necessarily a bad thing especially when it's when it's channeled properly or as i like to joke it's used for good and not evil so what we have to do is use emotion but not get emotional when you can push those emotional buttons with women or help them relate to it in some way where it hits them personally, and that's honestly anybody really, um, then you've opened the door to be able to move forward with, with a much bigger conversation about firearms. And I know it works because I've done it. I have a lot of liberals that take my firearms classes, a lot of liberal women um, that are, I believe in the, you know, I just need a handgun to protect myself. But once I have them in my classroom and I explain to them all of these laws affect their lives, they're straight pissed off at the end of class. And I am here for it. Um, one of them, she, after class, she messaged me and she said uh, that she had gone through all of this was two years ago. She had gone through all of the Republican candidates running against Democrats in Washington state. And I had been, I was doing some campaign advisory for a couple of, of those Republicans. And she said, if these women want my vote or a Democrat female's vote, this is what they need to change on their website. And did they do it? Hell no, they didn't. But which is stupid. I'm like, you literally have somebody on the other side telling you how to speak to them and, and they wouldn't do it, which that's a whole other podcast conversation about the corruption and the Republican party. But um, the point is, is that it worked and, and she was able to understand how these things affected her because I was able to push that emotional button inside of her so that she could see how this affected her personally. So it frustrates me to no end. And if you follow me, um, I'm pretty sure y'all have, you follow me for a minute. I don't know how long you follow me. I'm big on that. I'm big on calling out the gun industry and the gun community, whatever that means, about their, their lack of vision in how to approach women um, with, with firearm ownership. And of course they know everything and I know nothing, but you know, I'm out there arming liberal women. So. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing.
I will say, yeah. my TED talk. <laughs> well, it's my qualifying stage. <laughs> What'd you say? I will say, it. The problem is, is that the gun industry has been male dominated for a long time. There's not been enough moms in the community to to wrangle everyone and keep it all together, and that's a problem. Giant. So we need more women. It, it is. But why is it why is it that you think more women, uh, like even not even just liberal women, but like more right leaning, uh, just women in general, aren't into firearms? Aren't why they're not into firearms? Generally, um, I think on the I don't think I know um, from just talking to them and working in this for five years in the on the conservative leaning side that they're not into firearms. It's a lot of the oh my husband deals with it. That those are my husband's things. I, that's not something I get involved with. Um, they don't see them as being, um, right. And oftentimes it's because they hear their husband and this whole shall not be infringed narrative, which, I mean, I'm a hardline constitutionalist. In fact, I hold an incredibly controversial view of firearm ownership and second amendment absolutionism in that I even believe violent felons should have their rights restored because if they're not reformed, they shouldn't, it's not, it's not whether or not they're reformed, they shouldn't be out of jail. We don't need more gun control laws preventing them from getting a gun. We need the justice system reform to keep these pieces of shit in jail if that's if, if that's the case, or they need to be in the case of rapists, pedophiles, and, and the like. So um, I hold a very controversial view, um, and a lot of women don't, um, as we know, especially older generations, and particularly older generations. And now we're seeing it even with kind of moving into younger millennials and Gen Zers, this whole manosphere kind of mentality which can be dangerous, um, it's going to continue to turn women off and back them off from wanting to own firearm ownerships and take these traditional roles. Well, traditional roles, by the way, ladies, this is a total tangent from this conversation. Um, Y'all think that this, you know, I run a homestead, it's called Faithful Farm. And um, it's work, it's not linen dresses on Instagram. It's, it's a lot of work. And y'all wanna live in this 19th century mentality back, oh, that's right, when your husband's could still beat you and rape you. And you couldn't have a credit card uh, until you were able to actually vote. So y'all might wanna back off on that and think about it. But a lot of those women are that same type of mentality that tends to circle around, oh, I'm pro 2A, but I don't shoot guns because it's not my thing. So oftentimes I find too that those women don't vote or they're not registered to vote. But if you really truly wanna see a change, piss off the women. Liberals have weaponized women. They knew it. They've known how smart and powerful women are, and they weaponized them by essentially letting them vote. But then they knew that they could control the situation, much like uh, Johnson and the J. You know, we all know what Johnson said, LBJ and the Civil Rights Act, right? The same thing happened with women and voting. So I'm a history nerd, by the way, <laughs> as you can tell, women's history nerd. So. This is this all wraps into why women don't tend to get involved. But when you help women understand how it's going to allow them to defend themselves and more importantly, defend their babies, all hell breaks loose. And it's amazing what happens when you piss off the women and they become active. I mean, a lot of changes happen because women have been pissed off. And we need that old that old guard mentality of the gun rights narrative to shift into the more forward thinking mindset of self-defense and, and get off of this shall not be infringed 
you know, boomer kind of mentality. Yes, it is shall not be infringed. But if you want to get there, you've got to go through this process to get people on board. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes makes complete sense. You got me on a rant. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm just here for it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's a super knowledgeable. I mean, you're it's like, a You're going to let this crazy lady on stage for an hour? Holy crap. <laughs> you want to be top 10 craziest people there. So, you know, Probably. So. <laughs> uh, Susie says she's excited. Um, I, I'm excited to be there. I'm looking forward to it. And it's a drive for me. I love Tennessee. Yeah, I live in the same state, and it's still six hours for us. Yeah, well, right. You're coming the other direction, I guess, then, yeah. Yeah, we're we're east side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I did want to ask you. Uh, do you remember? Was it like five, six years ago? They were talking about uh, uh, Harriet Tubman coin or dollar bill or something like that. Do you remember that? The ten dollar bill, yeah, replacing Jackson yes. with her, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. There was a push to make it a historically correct Harriet Tubman, uh, which would have been her with her rifle that she bought to protect slaves on the Underground Railroad, which uh, well, we didn't have did any of that. No. So I looked into it and I started asking Democrats that because they would be like, absolutely, absolutely. I'm like, well, what about this? And then they do research like, no, I don't. This, this is stupid. We'll do something else. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, that's interesting. Just today, actually, there was a, um, I don't know if you, you saw that even on Twitter, there was a, a white liberal man going off. He posted, um, the photo he posted actually was a photo of a viral, it's a friend of mine, uh, and her family that are standing with their son, and um, they're all they are all holding ARs. And yeah. um, he went off about, you know, black people owning guns, and if this is what conservatives really don't want to see. I actively work in the black community to teach them. I helped my organization helped uh, over 24 women in the Chicago area become CCW qualified for free when they couldn't afford to do it. This is what I, I work in. The reality of the situation is the people who really don't want to see black people armed are white liberals, especially white liberal women. And so I encourage like for all of my black sisters out there, go to the go. To the legislative sessions and go in numbers and watch these women's watch these women white liberal women almost piss themselves when you guys show up because they don't what they they don't want to what they really don't want to see is they don't want to see the black community armed uh or the latino community armed or let alone white people so get out and, and if you can go with these other people right white people latinos asians like go together whoo baby that that is something that they really get uncomfortable with, and then they start to show their colors. Um, but at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is we can show up in those numbers all we want, but until until we start taking over legislatively uh, and start creating change and pushing back more actively or getting more aggressive, even just pushing back, it's not going to change. And one of the things that the libertarian libertarians are horrible for this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it right now, but even Republicans, uh, they tend to focus on the, the federal government and elections at the federal government level when we all know ain't nothing getting done at the federal level, it's all bullshit. What they need to focus on is their cities and their counties and their states where not only can you actually affect an election, Virginia, as we know, right? We watched the entire state flip because of something like that, right? You can create that change and that is where 
not only can you can you effectively stop a lot of this legislation, you can also put the legislation in place to protect the Second Amendment, which is irritating that that has to be done to begin with. But that we have to start looking at the at the the long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And libertarians and Republicans are notorious for the for training for a sprint, but not a marathon. I will have to agree with all of what you just said. I can't. <laughs> I can't say what you said was wrong. So. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean, that's all suck it up and listen because that's these are facts that you guys don't want to hear, and nobody likes talking about it because they get attacked. Well, guess what? Ain't nothing y'all gonna do to me. I ain't already been done. The FBI's been in my house, and I've already had all in it. The gun community hates me, so I don't give a shit. Come at me because it's a fact, <laughs> and you guys don't like hearing it. So, um... you okay? <laughs> Susie's probably watching this going. Holy crap, who let her on this show? I'm enjoying this. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. It's a great time. Um, so that's why it is very important that people get out and get organized in their communities. Instead of just ranting on Twitter and crying about it, get out in your actual community and do it. So one thing that we're doing here in Tennessee is, uh, Carrie will be a speaker at the event, is the TNTA rally January 20th. Um, we're fighting against pretty much all new gun control bills, all of it. It's just all, everything coming through the pipe is trash. Um, for example, you got this House Bill 1574, which I will share right now because I'm not reading all that. It's it's a lot. But it will also show you the progress it's made. So it's already been introduced. Um, it's Yeah, it was introduced today, I believe. Um, so it's in progress. Uh, basically, it's a it's a cut and dry red flag law. That's what it is. It's basically saying they can arbitrarily issue a protective order against you and take your guns, ammo, all of it, and prevent you from buying anything without a court hearing. Um, and have you actually emailed me that or if uh, Miss Susie Q there wants to email me that. Um, I just did a talk actually with a full lecture on, um, I hate using the word lecture, but on uh, red flag laws. Red flag laws are uh, one of my specialties. I'm uh, grateful that GOA actually comes to me to talk about red flag laws because it is something that I deal with because typically uh, other than, um, you know, veteran mentally ill type things, the, the other biggest pawn for that obviously is domestic violence. And we know that because there's even a federal law that says if you're convicted of domestic violence, uh, you're permanently banned. Um, but the states have picked up from that and have, have put in place that if you're issued a domestic violence restraining order, even if you're not convicted, you're, uh, you're, you have to surrender your firearms, which circles us back around to that Rahimi case, that, that uh, Supreme Court case that's going on right now. And again, boy, do I take a lot of heat for that because they're like, well, he's an abuse. I mean, look, this dude's a piece of shit, right? He is certainly not the <laughs> dude that we want representing us. Like when I read this guy's crowd, I was like, but here's the thing, and this is where I take a lot of crap. He, the Supreme Court, I hope, rules in favor of Rahimi because this guy, the end of the day, the Supreme Court case, what it came down to is whether or not under the Bruin rule that uh, what is a response, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this to keep it short because Supreme Court cases, you know, can be kind of convoluted, but essentially is is his right to own a gun um, if he's never been convicted of a, of a domestic violence, should he still be able to own a gun? He was never convicted 
of domestic violence. He was convicted of being in possession of guns under domestic violence restraining order. So this and and the ruling, the Bruin, the Bruin uh, decision. I, I apologize. I'm trying to keep this succinct, and I realize I'm making it more convoluted. But essentially, the arguments that were given, if you listen to the Supreme Court arguments, you can go back and listen to them. I, I encourage you to do so. Were what gets to define a dangerous or irresponsible person, and under you know, and, and why should that be justified to take away their right to own a gun? I wrote an article um, for the that was actually published in the Wall Street Journal about this as well, and I can send y'all the link to that if you'd like as well uh, for that. But it talks about how the laws were in place to keep him from from escalating violence and and possessing guns again. So why are we continuing to put more laws in place rather than enforcing the laws that exist? And an interesting note on that is in the article, there's a link to research that shows that restraining domestic violence restraining orders do not reduce the chances of an abuse victim being murdered with or without a gun. Uh, so there's literally evidence proving that domestic violence restraining orders are about as, as uh, useless as the paper that they're written on. Hey, thanks. I'm going to publicly accuse Susie of sending all of my notes to Carrie because literally she's hit everything topic <laughs> for topic in the order I kind of wanted to hit them. And it's crazy. I had this Rahimi case on deck and I was talking to Susie about it before the show. I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to cover this with her. Cause you know, it's kind of a, I think it would be an interesting take and it was, uh, but you know, I, I mean, I'll just like, I'll just sit here and I'll just let you keep going. I mean, well, the Rahimi, case, so the Rahimi case is, um, first I, I'm pissed off that his Rahimi's lawyer, who by the way, did not want to defend him in the Supreme court. Um, little side note, if you actually study the case in depth, um, because he's such a piece of shit, but, uh, he was not prepared at all. And of course the, the state, the, you know, federal government, who is the one that pushed this issue for it to go to the Supreme court, um, their, their lawyer was really good. So fortunately the Supreme court doesn't make a ruling based on arguments alone, because if they did, we'd be screwed, like absolutely screwed because this guy was horrible. That being said, they have to look at precedents. They have to look at uh, the arguments. There, there's there's a lot of things that they have to look at that that factor in to the decision that they're going to make. But here's the kicker on the decision, and a lot of people don't realize this. The Supreme Court, and this was done on purpose, by the way. So if you want to get in the weeds on this, I'm happy to do that with you. But this was done on purpose by the federal district court because the federal district court judge in Texas that sent this, that that, favor, that ruled in favor of Rahimi, that sent this to the Supreme Court, was pissed off with the Bruin decision. So he ruled in favor of Rahimi, essentially saying, fine, SCOTUS, you deal with this pile of shit. I'm, he did it to push the issue and mostly probably to try to be famous because that's really what judges are about, about clout and power. So here, here's where Supreme Court is in the rock, between a rock and a hard place. If the Supreme Court rules in favor of Rahimi, all hell is going to break loose, especially from liberals, 
and some conservatives that don't think violent people should have their guns back, right? I mean, let's be yeah. honest, this isn't just a liberal argument. There's a lot of conservatives and boomers out there that think, and not just boomers, but Gen Xers, millennials, and even some Gen Zers that don't think violent people should have their guns back. No, they shouldn't. Uh, it's not a matter of whether they should get their gun back. They should be left in jail or is really what they should be. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't even be an issue. But that being said, all hell is going to break loose if they rule in favor of Rahimi. There's going to be more push to, to pack the Supreme Court, blah, blah, blah. If they rule in favor of the state, or excuse me, if they, yeah, if they rule in favor of the state saying that, yes, Rahimi shouldn't have a gun, you know, that's not specifically him, right? This affects bigger. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court is going to have to go back and revisit the Bruin case and may have to overturn the Bruin case. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize this. So this was this was absolutely a move. And um, it's unfortunate that, I mean, this isn't malicious on the Supreme Court's case where they said, oh, we won't be releasing this until June. That's not, I mean, they always take six, seven months to uh, you know, issue a ruling. But the fact that that ruling is going to be coming down right before the election. Yeah. I'm saying that's probably going to create a lot of problems. Chaos. Yeah, it's, it's, it is unfortunate. Um, I mean, I've periodically over the years tried to pay attention to gun legislation. It's a snooze fest, like all legislation is. Um, so our court dockets and all that stuff, it's all complicated and convoluted, whatever. But, um, I mean, Bruin's the last really good court case that gun owners have had that's gone in our favor um, for anything massive and meaningful. Um, a lot of other court cases that revolve around guns that make it to the Supreme Court or at least like federal court level are usually really messy and kind of just goofy like this one. Um, and I think that's on purpose, um, which it makes sense because they don't want us to have shit. Um but yeah, it, it is unfortunate that Rahimi is the pile of dog shit that he is. Um, he is a horrible, just piece of trash that deserves it. Really, he really is. He really is. He's a horrible human being. Yeah. But unfortunately, we need him to come out on top on this one just because re removing any gun rights or re removing any regulation against gun rights is important. Um, Look, it's just a matter of time before he's dirt napped anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Living that life, you know, let's just be honest. <laughs> be great if it was one of the ladies that abused him or that he abused. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he would absolutely deserve it. There would be not a tear shed from me. So, not me either. <laughs> not, but, not at all. So, you know, and that's why we have to help people, right? Because then they, they would rather, you know, have people become martyrs and for gun control domestic violence victims and children being the two biggest pawns and martyrs for gun control than to teach people that uh, they have the ability to defend themselves. And this is where, right, they use them as pawns for gun control. And this is something that I, I really want to touch on because I don't know that a lot of people necessarily think about this on a conscious level, but when these, these gun control supporters, the average person on social media is is pushing for gun control or even some of these organizations that are pushing for gun control, the volunteers and such, please understand that these people legitimately believe they have been convinced that getting rid of guns or stricter gun control laws are going to keep people safer, right? They, they truly believe that. They believe those talking points. The They 
don't want you disarmed for a political agenda. It's the people pushing those narratives to these average individuals and volunteers to these organizations and so on. They're the ones with the bigger agenda of disarmament and they've brainwashed these people to believe that it's in the name of public safety. And so coming back at these people that argue that, um, you know, for gun control law saying you just want to disarm us, they, the reason they keep saying we believe in the second amendment, but is because they've been convinced that gun control is going to make them safer. The cognitive dissonance with the fact that the more laws keep put in place and crime keeps going up. I, I wish I could explain that, but I can't. But um, other than just the political division that we face now is, is pretty much irreversible, I think. Yeah, my experience with most anti-gun people is that they don't fully understand what firearms are. They just think that these these massive, nasty things that like you yeah. pull the trigger once and it blows off the side of a house and kills yeah. 30 kids. Yeah. When you really break it down for them and you show them what it is, um, it, it starts to make a lot more sense, which is why like a lot of times I'll bring other people with me who aren't necessarily gun friendly to the range if I can. Um, and let them just try like a 22 or something like that. Just show them like it's not it's it's nothing insane. It's 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 this simple device that just propels something very quickly right and what once you well, i think once you can really break this the the scare tactics that they use on people to to have them so afraid to just give up whatever they want to to be safe um and that you start showing them a little bit of logic and then you show them compassion like yeah we don't want dead kids either you know you've got to i think you know do the do both dances at the same time um, but it, what I was kind of going with that was, uh, in the art of war, it, there's a, there's a section that talks about knowing your enemy so much that you eventually love them and then you can destroy them. It's, it, it's interesting because you're seeing anti-gun people not even try to know anything about their enemy. Like the, if their enemy is firearms and firearm owners learn something about it, do, do some research. Don't say AR means assault rifle. Cause that's not even true. It's armor like rifle and it's i mean i just i i want to i want to have conversations with people i don't want to force them to like guns but i at least want to educate them but just they don't want to sometimes so you know? i created a class uh for just that reason and i'm i'm grateful i'm going to totally be shameless and, and shout out battle arms um development and sons of liberty gunworks and um, dark storm industries for their help with this but uh they've donated ars to me um and I created a class that does nothing but destigmatizes ARs for for women. And I get a lot of women in my pistol classes that will come in and they may be pro 2A. They don't want ARs banned, but they're still scared or intimidated by uh, by them. And they don't want, oh, those are my husbands. And, you know, back to that original conversation we were having. And I will get liberal women that will come in and once they they have had some destigmatization of guns period, but then see my approach. I, I teach my classes. I joke that I teach them from the uterus. They're very woman centric. We talk about the power that women really do have, um, which is why both sides of the political spectrum have tried to weaponize women against their best, best interest. Hell, the libertarians try to do it by putting that turn up Joe Jorgensen up. That was the biggest slap in the face to women. Like that pissed me off so much. I'm like, don't she is don't you guys try to pull that I'm with her bullshit. And it was absolutely insulting to me as a woman and a real feminist, not a feminazi. I just I couldn't stand that. So um, a what? I'm a real feminist, <laughs> not a feminazi. 
Coming out to the far left, crazy zealot kinds. Ironically, the ones that are that think that is perfectly acceptable to, for men to pretend like they're women and get into our spaces to hurt us. So um, anyway, so I created this class out of out of necessity, and I get a lot of women. In fact, there's a photo out there um, on my social media of me working with a woman. She's in her 70s. She came to the class and she trusted me, uh, which is a big deal. Um, she's wearing a notorious RBG hat. Like this was a feminizing. And she came to take pistol because she was in her 70s. She saw the crime rates rising. Um, I, I had known her previously from my day spa. So she had a little bit of base trust in me there, but she did not want ARs, wanted nothing to do with them. She wanted them to sting, she wanted them to be banned. So I told her, I said, would you, you know, now that you've gone through this class with me, would you be willing to come to, to my AR class? And she, she did. And at the end of class, she said, I, I, ARs aren't for me. I didn't like it. But now I understand that there's no reason for them to be banned. And yeah. I said, here's your money back for class. Like that was the point. I literally have them fired. I, I don't make it fancy, right? Because anything that's an AR class, if we're really, you know, anything that's AR classes, there's no real intro to AR classes out there. Usually it goes right into running and gunning, right? There's very few classes that, and if so, and, and if, and even if there are, they're, they're still overly complicated and, and, and over explaining, right? It's, you know, they get too into the technicals and into the weeds. This class literally has them put this, this rifle in their hands. I say, this is a barrel. This is an adjustable stock. This is a magazine, not a clip. It's very, very basic. And then I let them shoot three or four different ARs to feel the difference between them all. Of course, they all love that Battle Arms OIP that's carbon fiber and weighs four and a half pounds because who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> it's a great rifle. But uh, um, they, it, it changes their mind about what it looks like. I'm going to be introducing this year a class that's shotgun versus AR to help de debunk the myths from the, I'm sorry, that's my cat who's pissed off in the background because he wants out and I need to go let him out because if I doubt, he's gonna start getting hostile. He's 20 pound panther and he thinks, or thinks he's in way. Sorry. <laughs> go. Don't be a jerk, go. This is the only way I can imagine starting off 2024, and I'm I'm excited for this year. <laughs> Sorry about that, my 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 all black three foot long black cat named Cracker. <laughs> there's a, there's a whole story behind it, but anyway, um, so I want to do this this shotgun versus AR class to, because I I did it once with some students, and one of them was a lady in her mid 60s who is commonly told just get a shotgun for self defense. And I had her shoot them. And then at the end, I interviewed her. I need to get that interview up. Um, and I said, which one was easier for you to handle? She goes, oh, the AR. I was like, really? Hmm. Hmm. So now she understands that the, the, the true game stopper, literally everything that they tell you an AR can do, a shotgun can do with the right load, <laughs> the right shotgun. Shotguns at the right range with the right load will physically remove a chunk of shit off your opponent and throw that shit on the floor. And so um, uh, it's a game stopper, right? It is, that's the end. It's the end of the game with a, with a shotgun. And, and how I relate that, you know, you and I can talk about that in the loads and this, we teach them in the class, mm -hmm. in the shotgun class, because I'm an intro to shotgun. Super basic again, like, you know, bird versus bug, you know, all this kind of stuff. But um, 
I, I relate, I relate everything to, to everyday stuff that they might get. You know, I'm like, have you seen John Wick? Seen John Wick. There's a reason in number two that his preferred gun is that Benelli shotgun because it can literally do <laughs> what they're telling you an AR could do for the, you know, well, you know what I mean? Not, not literally, but, uh, and so it, but it really, it's getting into that super, like anything that you, if you think it's simple, if you think you're explaining it in a simple term, go below that. And now you're going to get women to understand women are thinkers, we're processors. We ask a lot of questions. We want to be able to ask questions. And there's a lot of men and even women out there who are super helpful in gun stores and stuff, we actually have a list that we're going to be adding to our website of preferred gun stores uh, that we like to send women to, where they where they know that they'll be treated well and 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 uh, that they're they can be comfortable going in. But also helping them be aware that sometimes you're being helpful and that's awesome, but you can be too helpful and over-explain. And we had that happen in in Washington State. I was there's a gun store that I like to work with there, and there was a um, one of my, I was there, I went in and I was there, just there for two hours. And I'm like, to any of my students, anybody who wants to come in, I'm going to teach you how to read ammo boxes. I can help you with fit, with, you know, grip, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I just go and I, I go to the gun store and make myself available for ladies. Well, one gal came in, um, she wanted to buy a 22 for her, for her daughter to be able to use just, you know, around home and, and such, uh, you know, for practice. And the guy behind the counter was awesome. He started helping her, but he started going too far into being helpful and explaining stuff. And you could see her face. She kind of went because she didn't understand. And I looked at him and I said, sweetie, you are being amazing at, and wanting to help her, but you lost her. And he felt bad. And I said, I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to like start watching her cues, right? If she glazes over or her eyes get big or she does this at all, it means you've lost her somewhere and you could lose you, should, you wouldn't maybe necessarily make her anti-gun, but she may not be buying the right gun or or she may not buy one at all. So sometimes the, there's that fine line between being helpful and being overly helpful and, and losing them. So it's it's just keep it simple. Keep it super simple. And if you think you're making it simple, make it just a little bit more simple. In our classes, I don't give a shit about trigger reset. Don't care. You know what I want these women to do? Pull the trigger and not cry or drop the gun. Let's get them to stop clenching their butt cheeks together. And, you know, because when they clench their butt cheeks together, they're going to pop back, right? And they're going to, you know, have less recoil management. Let's let's get you, get your butt cheeks out, pull the trigger, not cry or drop the gun. Cool. Guess what? You did it. Now we can move on and teach you how to actually be able to carry that gun every day for self-defense. I just I just found the new the new start to the Suzy Q line. It's cheeks out, guns up. I like it. I actually have some t-shirts, uh, t-shirt ideas of mine. I, I think I, I may By actually way, work on launching my brand this year. Amazing at wevefemale.net. It's arm the females. And it's got arm like the women. Generic female body. Yeah, she's talking about your merch. Fantastic. Yeah, arm, my arm the women t-shirt. Isn't that cute? I've not seen it, but she's she's Here. she's saying it's really like, really good. I mean, we should show it because it's freaking. Well, I'll pull it up. That's that's you know my what? I favorite. Got the website right here. Yeah. We're actually um, we've actually had to trademark. We, we've actually had to trademark that um, because people were starting to use that hat and use that brand. But that's that was our creation, Arm the Women, and it's Arm the Women, Education, Confidence, and Self Defense. Um, but uh, 
there's a shirt on there. I don't know if I pulled it. I need to get, I need to do some adjusting to it. It actually says under communism, I'd be starving too much to have tits this big. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, oh, this is it? Well, yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh-huh. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's small print on here. I see. Yeah, so, so it's arm the women. On there. That was weird. And then I have, um, and then we have the arm all the people for the longest time that was my best-selling shirt uh, i loved it uh this is my favorite design there it is um, nice that's a good and, one but that one has, has taken a little bit of heat recently because of the far left extremists it's frustrating to me that the trans community um in particular uh has gone so far off the rails that trans people that just want to live their lives and and mind their own business have been lumped into this category with this extremist bullshit. And even they're afraid to come forward and speak out against it in a lot of cases because they're afraid of being attacked by conservatives too. So it, that it's, it's super heartbreaking to me to see that because I'm like Oprah, everybody gets a gun. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, it is a fundamental human right that is uh, inalienable and comes from God, not the government. I, 100% absolutely and passionate about that. And it is not my job or your job or anyone else's job to decide who gets a gun and who doesn't. It's our job to be better trained than the people that want to do us harm. Period. Which always comes back to get more training. Uh, get more training. Yeah. If it's you're not John Rambo, get more training. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's sad that so many women will come and take a fundamentals class, but then they won't carry their gun afterward or, or they're still nervous to use it, which says to me that even though the, the gun community, right, because they love their anything that's a positive talking point, and I get it. I mean, I'm on that side, right? I get that we take whatever, whatever W we can get. However, there is still a huge gap between women buying guns, as we know, women are the fastest growing. Uh, they, they're the number one purchasers of new guns in America, but they're not carrying those guns. And that's a problem, which says to me, that means that there is something missing in education and training. So people focused on the gun stores, which are still a problem in a lot of places, right? I mean, there has been some changes and improvements. Awesome. You know, but we don't need another gun designed for women. We need the industry to change how they're approaching women about guns. And that needs to come in education and sales and marketing. Yeah, it, it, there does need to be a push towards uh, getting I, I'm in favor of training everyone on firearms, period. Um, women, yeah. men, I think I think there's just a massive shortage across the board on training. Um, I know several people, uh, buddies of mine who have never had any kind of training at all on firearms they just have them and they just eh, whatever um and I, th I think i think just globally but yeah i think you're right i mean a firearm is no good to you if it's in your purse on the other side of the room and i i was actually a, a gun dealer for a couple of years up until divorce and all that shit but um they sell a purse where they have like a holster built into it that zips up. I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. If you have to fumble with getting it off your shoulder, yeah. getting it unzipped, pulling it out, you're already dead. I mean, or they've 
knocked out of your hands. But I'm like, you, you can't market this kind of stuff because it's not going to help anyone. I get you. Well, and plenty, but do it yeah, and a lot of the mentality around that is just shoot through the purse, which, yes. Um, and, and that gets, I mean, that's a rabbit hole we could go down. There's all kinds of, of conversations we could have about that. But, um, you know, about the fact that people are like, well, you need to be able to train for this, this, this. Well, yeah, you should know how to use your sites. That being said, in a crisis situation, you're probably not going to be stopping to, to get cited, nor are you going to need to because they're going to be close enough to you to, you know, that you're not going to have to. But um, the you, I, you're right about the purses. I'm not a fan of the purses. Um, that being said, I tell women, if you want to conceal carrying a purse, okay, but you need to practice drawing that gun and like positioning it in there to be able to access it easily, so on and so forth. Just like drawing from any, I, I wear um, I just posted them on social media on Instagram and Facebook yesterday and today where I inner thigh. And is it as fast as from, from my waist? No, but I practice it every day and I can, I'm pretty quick at drawing from inner thigh in a dress. So it can be done. You just have to make a point of putting in that extra time to be able to, um, to train with it. But more importantly, it's knowing how to, as much as we train to know when to use a gun, we need to be training people more to know when not to use one and when to walk away. Because ladies that see this, you are too pretty for prison. And even gentlemen, you are too pretty for prison. Nobody looks good in orange. And you may, in certain states in particular, you may do everything right. And still end up- fantastic in orange, thank you. Not county orange. Nobody looks good in county orange. That's Nobody. orange. Nobody looks good in County Orange, period. Nobody. Nobody looks good in County Orange. So, you know, you don't want to ever catch those. You don't want to catch charges if you don't have to, right? And more than that, like, what if your babies saw you? You know, if it was a situation that you could de-escalate and avoid and get out of, why would you not do that instead of having your baby see you shoot somebody? So I think that there's the gun community puts a lot of emphasis on how to shoot and, and when, and that's great, but I would love to see more emphasis put on when not to pull that trigger as well. De-escalation is very important. Um, we, we talk about policing, you know, needs, needs some kind of correction, right? It's gone off the rails. No one's happy with it. Um, de-escalation is a big thing that some departments have tried to enforce uh, over the past few years. They've been trying to train some of their officers on de-escalation because it is important. Um, just because you see someone walking up your driveway doesn't mean you need to start blasting. It means you need to analyze the situation and say, is this a threat? Is it, is it just someone who's lost? Are they asking for directions? Um, are they hurt? Are they being chased by somebody? It's all these things need to be, you know, thought about before you just draw and shoot. Um, and, and there are a lot of cases like that. I see them all the time through Twitter. Uh, just a video of someone was doing something stupid. Uh, was on someone else's property and they just started blasting through a wall or a door or some shit and it's just it's, it's horrible because then it makes the rest of us look bad right like because yep. then you see that one video and it's oh every gun owner is crazy just gonna start blasting yep yeah we and, and that's one city. thing where that's one advantage to the shift and you know i not that uscca is perfect and they've got their issues as well but um where the 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 NRA is is certainly remiss, and the USCCA definitely steps up and is more effective at teaching um, avoidance and, and de-escalation. And I'm a, I'm USCCA certified, and I that was by choice. 
Uh, first, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of the NRA, but second, their program is just better, and it's better at teaching those those tactics. Um, and, and you know, the reality is, it's because they sell in self defense insurance, and they don't want you to have to use the insurance. Cool, fine, okay, what else? I mean, if that's the reason why, I don't care. The information is important and it's relevant and needs to be out there regardless of whether, um, you know, regardless of the, the motivation behind it. So I, my, and my students really resonate with that. They, they really like the education that they receive with, uh, with USCCA because of dealing with the conflict avoidance and the de-escalation, which tends to, to also resonate with women more. Yeah, and not that we'll ever get the actual numbers because uh, the federal government will never make an argument in our favor, um, but there are some pretty high estimates as to how many crimes are prevented per year just by simply brandishing a firearm. So, 60, so 64% of, I, I've got some numbers for you on that. The FBI intentionally misleads people on that. Um, uh, 64%, so the FBI has intentionally mislabeled active shooter situations, I'm, to keep this for brevity's sake. But when the numbers are actually broken down and you look at them um, in depth, approximately 64% of active shooter situations are thwarted by a good guy with a gun that um, whether they pull the trigger or not, 64%. The FBI would tell you it's less than 10. Yeah. And that's using their numbers. It's just a matter of reading them the way that they're supposed to be read as opposed to the way that they put them out in a manipulative talking point. Yeah. So what I was talking about is like there's a there's a breakdown that people are trying to like I guess figure out and guess what the percentage is of those uh, bad guys being stopped by a good guy with a gun. How many of those have been done without ever pulling the trigger? Because I I'm think one that of speaks them. more. Yeah, I think that speaks more volume than uh, you know the number that of people that pull the trigger. And I guarantee you, it's it's, it's got to be something like a one to nine split. I mean, it's it's. Most people are still even even very trained are very hesitant to just immediately pull the trigger because it is yeah. so why. I can look at that data and and get back to you and see if it's broken down by the ones that just drew the gun. I'm not I can't remember if it is or not. It was a big it was a big thing that um, CPRC put out. But um, I I am one of those people. I had to draw my gun on a crazy homeless man in Seattle um, once, and I he took off when he saw the gun. And fortunately for me and him, um, I, I never had to fire around. Um, so I, I do think you're right. And but the thing is too is that as much as like like to your point, as much as we may have data out there, and we do, we do have some data. We're never going to have all of the numbers. Uh, just like we will never have all of the numbers because they don't want you to have all the numbers of domestic violence victims, who and survivors that have actually protected their lives and their children's lives with firearms. Um, because they want to use us, uh, use us survivors for pawns for gun control. They don't want you to think that, um, God forbid, the government want you to know that you can um, protect yourself. Yeah, if you uh, if you no longer require the state for survival, the state no longer survives. Um, and start homeschooling your kids so. because the government is the, a federally funded government. And a state-funded uh, government is never going to give you your children the education it needs to know how to take them down when they need to be taken down. Is twenty is the twenty twenties going to be the decade of homeschooling? Because I've heard more people across yeah. more political spectrums talking about abandoning public schools. 
Yeah, I, I think it is. And um, I just had, I just made a comment on somebody's post about homeschooling your kids. And someone said that there's actually two schools in Texas that are two elementary schools in Texas that are actually having to close because their number, their enrollment numbers are down so far that homeschooling because of homeschooling. And uh, I think it's great. I That's love amazing. it. Yeah, you love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they can't have a monopoly if uh, you don't partake in their system. So there you go. That's right. So that's right. Beautiful. That's that's why they're going um, after those of us that are homesteaders and stuff now and saying that we're, you know, we're on the radar to be extremists because we're growing our own food. Yeah. I mean, the CIA came out and said that libertarians were, were extremists because freedom and whatever. I mean, yeah. at this point, they'll label anyone who doesn't agree with them an extremist. So I'm on so many lists. I'm like, just throw me on another one. What do I care? <laughs> yeah it's just it's like it's like a pokemon can you get all the gym badges before you uh take on the final four you know i feel like there's 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 a patch collection that's probably um that needs to to come to fruition with that like little like little merit badges see i talked about this before with another guest and i never got around to doing it but i really want to like as i go to different events and gun ranges or whatever people just like have their book i'll just give them a stamp yeah yeah, I think it's a cute idea. Like the national parks, when you visit all the national parks, you get your little passport book. <laughs> yeah. There you go. yeah, I like it. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> get the uh, the CIA stamp, the FBI stamp, the NSA stamp. Get all. Yeah, Just yeah, collect. I'm here for it. <laughs> so uh, January 20th, people will see you in Nashville um, at the just outside the Capitol building, uh, right here. And, uh, you know, you'll be a speaker there. Um, outside of that, where can people find you? And uh, what do people need to know about the rally? Well, you can find me on the big X, formerly known as Twitter, at the real underscore SNS. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram at Stilettos and Shotguns 3.0, since I'm on my third account, as well as We the Female Official. I'm on Facebook, on Boomer Book, <laughs> as well. Um, and that's about all for now. I'm looking at doing some expansion this year into some other platforms. But for now, that's where you can find me. I'm most active on um, on X, of course, because of, of uh, the lack of censorship. Yeah, Twitter's gotten a lot more fun. Uh, people have gotten crazy with it. And I love yeah. those. My favorite thing about Twitter, because uh, I got more involved on Twitter when, when Elon took over, just because I wanted to see it. Yeah. And uh, watching people go, this will be my last day on Twitter. I'm like, uh, I didn't give a shit when y'all did this on Facebook. What makes you think we give a shit here? Right. Day 200 of your last day of, on Facebook <laughs> or right, on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Stupid turnips. <laughs> I do. I do like, uh, I do like, um, I think one of my favorite things is, uh, uh, Oh, moms demand action. I love tagging them and stuff. Like I'll find a great, uh, you know, gun story. Good guy does something. Tag uh, moms demand action. Or yeah. um, that's my. You know, I, I think that's really what makes Twitter just so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's still Twitter. It's still Twitter. Yeah. Now, yeah, I still call it Twitter. So yeah, Shannon Twats. Um, she she blocked me years ago. So I don't I don't care. She's wow. she's the mom's demand. She's no longer with Mom's Demand, but I don't think Mom's Demand has blocked me yet. Every town has. Every town. Oh, that's yeah. the David Hogg one, isn't it? Uh that's students March for Our Lives. 
But I think I think mm. March for Our Lives is connected to connected to um, every town. But every town, March for Our Lives and um, and Moms Demand are all funded by Bloomberg. Shocker. Yeah. You know, that big gun lobby they always talk about that's going to come, you know, save us. Wish they'd show the fuck up. Yeah, I'm over it. Over it. So, well, Carrie, um, I greatly appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, well, I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks then. Thank you for having me. I had a blast chatting with you. I could go on like you got me on my rant. So hopefully I didn't go too far off the rails for you. Um, and it was relevant, but you know, these are, I want to start seeing people become more active and you need to become, you either need to become organizers or, and not just rallies, rallies. Yeah. Rallies are great, but rallies are the best thing about rallies. A rally isn't going to change the legislation. What a rally is going to do is connect you with the like-minded people to be able to move you forward, to start pushing back against the, the legislation that's being presented. So for those of you that are going to be attending, make sure that you use this as an opportunity to meet those individuals that are like-minded and passionate about creating change and then start getting involved to create that change. And that is whether that you're helping to support getting um, local candidates elected or that you run yourself. I do political campaign advisory. So that is, that is something that I do. So I'm happy to help anyone with talking points that are irrefutable. When it comes to gun control laws, uh, the minute they see me, they don't they don't like it um, because I'm a domestic violence survivor, and um, you know I can I they 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 shut down when I talk about them trying to uh, you know justify me not defending myself. So um, so I'm happy to help in any way that I can. I look forward to the 20th and seeing everybody there. All righty. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and close it out. Uh, appreciate everyone coming out tonight, and uh, y'all have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you. Take care. Propagate these messages and they propagate these images to say like it's not normal if you're this. It's